All right. Hello, everybody. We're back again. I'm here with Lily, a.k.a. Pharaoh Hazard. So, um, you know, today we're just going to go into it. We're going to dive into Tenet, the newest Christopher Nolan film. And Christopher Nolan, like, you know, I'd say of uh, if, if we had to kind of think of like who's one of the biggest directors of the 21st century and like the 2010s, certainly Christopher Nolan is like probably number one or number two. Um, you know, like he started the decade with Inception, which was like huge, I mean, huge movie. Um, he made The Dark Knight Rises. We uh, did a review of Interstellar. So he's been making a lot of big films. This film was very, very highly anticipated. Um, and unfortunately it got kind of caught up in the coronavirus pandemic. But this is a very kind of interesting film. Um, so I guess I just start off like, what do you, what are your, your overall feelings about Nolan? Just kind of in general, I guess. Um, I so think he's sometimes, oh, I'll start with a compliment. Um, that's better. Um, I think he's, I think he is a very good director. I think he's a very smart director, but I think sometimes he's a little too smart for his own good. And that comes across in his film sometimes. Um, but I think he knows the audience that he's making movies for. And I can't really fault him for that. I don't think his movies are for everyone, but he's made some movies for everyone like his Batman movies. Yeah. I think anybody could probably watch those and enjoy them. Um, you don't have to be like a, an Artur or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, I think he's, he's really good. I think his body of work really speaks for himself, really speaks for itself. But I think sometimes his movies can come across as a little arrogant, but I think he's just, I think he's just a really smart guy and knows, and knows what he wants to make. And yeah. as someone who can be a little, um, like a little perfectionist about stuff that they make sometimes, like I kind of get it. So yeah, I think he's a good director regardless of any negative things I might, or criticisms I might have about him. I think he's good. Yeah, for sure. I, I think the thing that's most interesting to me is um, there, there's a couple things that I don't know why it kind of took me. I, I definitely got the time element. Like there's always a time element in his films, I'd say. He's very obsessed with time. <laughs> He's very obsessed with time. Yeah. Um, this film kind of maybe I don't know why, but I kind of realized that he like this is kind of a small thing. It's more of an aesthetic choice, probably because of how he wants people to consume the film. But you never, you never actually really see anyone die in his films. Like people get shot, and you never see a drop of blood; they just die. Yeah, Which... his movies aren't overtly violent. He's not a Tarantino who, while I think Tarantino uses violence to move a plot forward, he doesn't. Nolan doesn't really show blood all that much. I mean, I think maybe when it calls for it, but it's really. Yeah, to, to be to be honest, even then, I think that you don't see it. Um, Cause yeah, I remember watching this, and you know, like there's a bunch of scenes where you know people get shot, it, stuff like that. And then I don't know why it just kind of dawned on me, was like, wait, I, that guy just got shot, and we just didn't see anything. <laughs> yeah, or um, the torture scene in the beginning of the movie after they've gotten away from the opera house, like yeah. he he alludes to violence instead of actually showing it. Like we see the aftermath and the pain that our characters are going through, but like the train goes by as the the Russian mm -hmm. mobster guy is like taking a knife to his mouth, which is like I think 
we can kind of just imagine what that what it probably is because we've seen enough violence in movies. But yeah, he really, that's actually a really good point. He doesn't really show a lot of violence. He kind of just alludes to it. It alludes to it. And, and you know, this kind of reminded me, so the beginning of um, Dunkirk, you see some people get shot and you don't see any blood. It's, it's not... It's not like um, Saving Private Ryan. It's just like, oh, people died. Because I feel like, I feel like the, and what I kind of realized watching this film was I think when you do that, it means that like the plot is more important than, than like any, you know, any, just like showing violence or something. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just like more about what's going to happen than like seeing, oh my God, this guy died and he, died really violently or something because yeah, I mean, there's, there's violent stuff in these movies. Like you said, this, this torture scene, super violent. Right. It's like digging this yeah. dude's mouth out. That's really bad. We don't, we don't see any of it. We no. see none of it. We see none of it. We don't really, we see a little bit of blood in that scene, he has, but that's it. Um, which I, yeah, I thought that was interesting. So uh, yeah, I guess we can jump into it. Talk about the plot of this film. So this film opens up. It's pretty cool. So I think I'm pretty sure they're in like Ukraine. It's like the Ukrainian National Opera House, and it's some guys in like a truck, and um, they're waiting for something to happen. And then we see this, uh, you know, basically the opera is about to start, and then some terrorists come in and they they're shooting and they're attacking people. And they are stomping on cellos, all the worst things you could possibly imagine. I know that was I was actually more heartbreaking when they stepped on that cello. I'm like, what the yeah. hell? Like that's probably like a two thousand dollar and probably more like instrument. You're a dick. I know. The, <laughs> also, I the, love the cello. So, like, my girlfriend wants to buy a violin. Uh, a good violin is thousands. Like you said, it is thousands of dollars. Oh yeah. Um, there's a, what's it called? The most famous, I think, violin maker, I think is Stradivarius. Um, they, oh my God. Like I watched a mini yeah. documentary about Stradivarius and it was yeah. like the wood is aged perfectly yeah. for sound and it's It's a lot of money. Yeah. And, and, and you kind of like, <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend, what she, so she bought like a hundred dollar violin <laughs> off of Amazon. <laughs> And as you can guess, it sounded like trash. <laughs> oh, I mean, you have you pay for quality, man. You pay for and quality. It, sucks. it sucks, but like Yeah, you gotta I, pay but, like five thousand dollars for a good cello or violin or something. It was that just like a regular wooden one or is it an electric? Because they make that electric one, violins too. Well, so the thing about that one, it was it was I don't know what it was made of, but it was made of some bad material. You know what I'm saying? It was it was made of like some of the, one of those faux wood. It wasn't even wood. It's not even yeah, wood. it's like it's like the wood that's like fake wood, you know? Like that you see in like old motels that line the yeah. walls. <laughs> exactly. And it feels really like plasticky and kind of like rubbery. That's what it was. It felt really rubbery. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, it's disappointing. Like we returned it like immediately. But yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um Okay, so so yeah, this terrorist attack happens, and then the people in the in the van they're like, "Oh, wait, the Americans," and then they like they give them these fake special forces badges, and then so they they go in with the team of special forces, I guess Ukrainian special forces guys, we're going in to take out the they're like SWAT kind of like a SWAT team. They're going in to take out the uh, terrorists, 
and but they have a like John David Washington and this other guy. They have they have their own mission. You know, they're they're infiltrating to do something else. So they go into the building, and the special forces they like put everyone in the opera house to sleep with some like sleeping gas. Um, and while while the um, special forces people do the siege, John David Washington goes to get I guess his target or whatever this guy that he's trying to save. Um, and they have this exchange where you know he saves John David Washington saves him. And he's like, oh, we live in a twilight world, and there are no friends at dusk. And so he's like, you've been, you've been, uh, compromised. Yeah. You've been compromised. You, you got to get out of here. You can get out of here or I have to kill you. One or the other. And so the two of them try to escape. Um, yeah. So what do you think about this scene? Like up to this point? Oh, it was pretty good. It was exciting. You know, I had like the, that familiar, like, um, intensity. Got to do it now. We're under a time limit. Um, everybody's gassed kind of a thing, so you don't have to worry about a whole bunch of civilians running around and getting in your way. Um, yeah, no, it was good. It was good, you know, it kept my interest, especially with, like, CIA or spy code words and phrases. I love that yeah. shit. <laughs> it's like, oh, what if someone came up to me and said something like that one day, and I just knew what to say. I'm like, ah. Yeah, that is kind of cool, right? <laughs> yeah. That is, that is interesting. It's like one of those, like, wink-wink kind of moments. Because this is really, uh, this is kind of a spy movie. You know what I mean? It's a spy 100%. movie. It's got some serious James Bond elements going mm -hmm. for it. It's got a lot of things going for mm -hmm. it. It's like time travel meets James Bond. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's super James Bond. And it's it's just that he, the main character is, you know, he's basically the James Bond of this organization. Yep. Um, as we'll find out later. So, so yeah, so he, John David Washington is saving this guy. He then gets this item from coat check and it's this kind of like small cylindrical metal thing that we're going to find out later is kind of important. Um, and so then the special forces start loading the opera house with explosives. And so John David Washington and his other companion are like kind of try they're basically trying to like get rid of the explosives so that people don't die, but that kind of gets him in trouble. And then he sees like uh, John David Washington sees like a bullet go backwards into someone's gun out of like a hole in the wall. And then this guy, this person that we don't know at first, like basically saves, saves him from being killed by someone. Um, and then he just runs away and we, we kind of see his backpack, which has like a charm on it. And that's going to become important later, but we're just like, wait, what? That was interesting. Um, and so, yeah, basically they complete their mission. They, keep people from getting killed. They get back into the truck, but the Ukrainians are kind of mad at them. So they, um, they, they're like, Hey dude, you were supposed to do this, but you didn't. So we're going to torture you. So the two Americans get like tortured and they're like, like we were talking about, they're like cutting his teeth out or something. something yeah. Really yeah. Yeah. They're cutting his teeth out. It's pretty gross. And they also like the guy, have you ever seen the movie? Um, Limitless. No, actually, I haven't. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, this 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 uh, Ukrainian guy is he's in Limitless actually, which is kind of funny. Playing basically kind of the same kind of character. They typecast him pretty good. They did. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I want that guy. I want the, I want the Limitless guy. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, and then he the guy takes out. He has a 
like in his in his shirt he has a suicide pill and he's like nope you don't get to he takes it away um but so they they're basically they say they're going to torture him for like three hours or something or two hours i forget how long he keeps setting the clock back like yeah a and he's maniac yeah total maniac <laughs> um and so then his friend kind of takes out his suicide pill and like kind of holds it so that he can get to it and so then he like he like he he's he's tied to a chair and then he like gets out of the chair and takes the pill and then he dies then we see the uh the opening title and that's basically that's the beginning of the movie <laughs> so yeah like how'd you feel about seeing our main character take a suicide pill at the beginning of this film at the end of this whole siege i was very uh, confused i was like wait what <laughs> i was like hey, you gotta do what you gotta do i probably would do the same thing i'm not gonna lie i don't want to be tortured for endless hours by ukrainian mobsters yeah. <laughs> no thank you um but you know he's i've seen the trailer so obviously he's in the rest of the movie so i was like hey, yeah. i'm sure he'll be fine but he might be a little fucked up yeah yeah he got he got pretty messed up there um but then, so then the next scene, he like wakes up on a boat and um, he seems totally fine, basically. So how did, how did you, how did you feel seeing him like totally fine after being tortured for hours? Well, I guess we don't really know what the suicide pill, I was assuming the suicide pill was cyanide, honestly, mm -hmm. um, or some kind of poison. Um, yeah. But from what I understand, cyanide capsules can like really fuck up your face <laughs> um so i was kind of confused that he was fine or how they don't really explain how they got him out they tell him that his um his the rest of his crew or whatever was all died so i was like okay so it was all for naught okay um <laughs> but i was like eh, what's he seems pretty okay and they said that they were rebuilding his mouth or something yeah that that always that, that this part of this the movie always kind of confused me a little bit because um, I'm like because okay so the first thing that I thought was okay they must have put him in a time machine basically um, they they could have they might have I as the movie progresses I figured maybe Neil went back for him at some point mm -hmm. um, but I don't. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I'm not really I'm sure. Not it sure. it kind of bug, bugs me too, honestly. Yeah, <clears throat> there there's a lot of things that could have happened. Well, I'll, we'll get to some theories at the end of this. I think that'll kind of maybe cover what could have happened. But yeah, I mean, basically, he's back. <laughs> he's like fine. <laughs> he's fine. Nothing yeah. too bad. I mean, yeah. although I will say, like, if you like, I knew a woman who broke her jaw and her entire face changed. So, like, getting your teeth ripped out, and even if you get like, you know, veneers or some shit, like, your face is gonna look different. Like, yeah. that's just how it works. <laughs> See, that that's why I think that they just put him in a time machine to kind of fix it. I, I think but, that yeah, one must have because. Eh. How else is he just going to look perfectly yeah. fine? Yeah, how, how else is he going to not look like he had his face ripped off? Yeah. Anyway, so so then he's talking to this guy. He's like, welcome to Afterlife. So you're now you're now officially dead. Um, you chose to die instead of giving up your colleagues. That's a test that you passed. Not everyone does. And so basically he's now, because he did that, he's a part of Tenet. And the guy gives him this like whole spiel about like Tenet is just... A thing you know it's like it's it's a 
it's a phrase that'll get you into places and get people to tell you things that normally you wouldn't be told. And you also have to do this kind of thing like this. And so, um, yeah, he's, he's now a part of this organization. Um, and he's, he's basically got a mission now. And his mission is to <clears throat> fight this secret Cold War. So then they send him off to meet this woman uh, somewhere. I forget. He's on a boat. He's on a boat doing pull-ups. <laughs> And then, and then he gets off the boat, and then he gets in a car, and he's driving somewhere. Um, and then oh, India! I think they went to India. Yeah, I, I yeah, they go to India at some point. Um, I don't know if they oh, go to India. before that. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I'm getting, there's so much to this movie. I know. <laughs> the other woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the woman who like explains everything to him in a very kind of like. Anyway, uh, so so he meets this woman. And she's like, she kind of tells him about <clears throat> what Tenet is about. And so it's about this inversion technology. And she gives him an, an example. So um, he fires an inverted bullet. But when you fire an inverted bullet, it goes into your gun instead of going out of your gun. And that's kind of a, a mind fuck, you know? That's pretty crazy. Um, and she's basically explaining how this technology works to him. And one of the things they do is like, there's an inverted bullet and then she like puts her hand over the bullet and then it goes into her hand. Uh, and so it's like the opposite of if you drop the bullet, if you drop the bullet, the bullet goes, falls to the, to the ground. With an inverted bullet, the cause and effect is reversed. There's effect that creates cause. So yeah, it's totally, <laughs> and every inverted thing, um, that's the way that it, uh, it behaves. Um, but so then the there's guns inverted. Does a gun have to be inverted to shoot an inverted bullet? Because they never mention if the gun is inverted. I don't think there's a lot going on. <laughs> I, I don't think it has to be. Okay. Because she she says you're catching the bullet. Okay. Um, it's just, it's it's very kind of strange because yeah, basically the way it works is that. Um, because the entropy is going backwards, what's actually happening. So she says, you're catching the bullet. What that means is that, you know, usually when you, so like when, um, it's like when you start your car, right? The car creates a chain reaction that allows the engine to start moving to, you know, move the car. Um, an inverted car, it's the opposite. So... Your, the act of you getting in the car causes the car to react in a way. Okay. Um, so the, 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 you imposing your will on a thing causes the thing to change. Instead of for us going forward in time, uh, we have to, it's, it's like I have to drop the pen for the pen to go down. Mm -hmm. um, it's an inverted thing. I just have to think about, <laughs> which is great. I just, just think about dropping it and then it will go into my hand. The opposite. Yeah. That's crazy a lot stuff. of multitasking going on. When I'm good at multitasking, I, I was watching, I was like, uh, I would, that bullet would have gone flying somewhere else. Yeah. And then I love, so she has, she says this thing, just don't try to understand it, feel it. Um, which was is that like, is that telling the audience, don't, don't try and think too hard about this. <laughs> It like really is. Don't, because we have, and now we're here. 
<laughs> just just go with it, guys. Just go yeah. with it. It's, it's, don't, uh, don't, sh- sh- don't think about it. Just, just yeah. watch the movie. Cool shit's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so did this... So when you watched this scene, did what was going on, did inversion make sense to you? At None at all. <laughs> and so this is one of the scenes I had to rewatch. Because, <laughs> well, first of all, the dialogue in this movie is far too quiet. I had to keep readjusting mm-hmm. my my levels to be able to actually hear what they were saying. And I like this actress. I, I forget her name, but I'm just like, you were talking far too softly. Oh, my gosh. And so <laughs> it's a boom operator in another room. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Is this being recorded on a cell phone? Like, the compared to the score which is amazing and the sound mixing it was great the odd the actual like dialogue spoken sucked (laughs) and i was having a very difficult time like keeping up solely based on the fact that it was so quiet the score is like booming i mean it is loud yeah i'm glad i didn't see it in theaters because it would have pissed me off because i wouldn't i couldn't have i would have been like can you adjust the volume please People complained a lot, I think rightfully. Uh, and I actually, I, I saw it a couple times and I feel like there was a time, like a week after they released it, they changed, I, there was at least one time where I went to a theater where the mix was different, where the, the dialogue was louder. And I know for sure, like there was a time I went to another, so I went to one theater, it was way better. Then I went to one and it was worse. It was like, you couldn't hear anything. You're in a theater and you can't hear anything they're saying. And it's just like, rah, 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 rah. It's like I would scene. like to request subtitles, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, subtitles really helps this movie. Yeah, I turned mine on. There's a scene on a boat. <laughs> and like <laughs> in this movie, we'll talk about. But that scene on the boat, like there, there's I think it's in it was like incomprehensible uh in a theater. I wonder if that might have been on purpose. If that was a way to like just mess with the audience head a little bit to get them to pay attention to more of the visual stuff so that you wouldn't have to think too hard about what they were talking about, about inversion and entropy and stuff like that. I wonder if that was on purpose. Yeah. You know, I think, I think um, this is kind of my theory now. Like he, I think Christopher Nolan kind of like, he kind of wants people to just kind of um, (laughs) the way I put it, just like submit to the narrative (laughs) That's that's the actual way I would put it, which is that basically he wants you to watch it multiple times. And so you're not going to get this purposely. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff. There's too much stuff, probably. And there's stuff you're not going to get. And it's just like, well, you're going to have to watch it again. (laughs) I I really I really believe that's his. uh, His 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 mode of operation for why some of these things happen. So, I think it's a good theory because, I mean, if someone's going to have to see something multiple times because they missed five minutes of dialogue, that's more money that people are spending going back yeah. to the theater. So, Yeah. And, and what a funny thing. So, like, I went and I saw this film. And the first time I saw it, um, right at this point, the the uh, the <laughs> the whole theater shut down and it stopped working. The Yeah. <laughs> Like she's explaining it. She like just as had finished explaining something, and then the whole screen went black and it stopped working. And they were like, "Uh, sorry, we can't fix the projector. You have to go into another theater." 
There's a 10 p.m. showing next door in about 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah it was so fun. It was so funny. It was like, did this whole thing. And it's like, okay, now I, I'm kind of like, because, you know, with his films, they 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 try not to give a, a lot away in the trailers, which is good. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff where you have no idea. The first time you walk into this movie, you have no idea where you, what you're in for. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when you get stuff, like you're saying, when you get stuff explained, it's still like, wait, what? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, it was just so funny. It was like, oh, this is this is this is perfect. <laughs> this this will like, happen. <laughs> yeah, this is what happened. Okay, so then um, he goes to Mumbai, India, and basically has a mission. So, so, so he's going to try and find this guy, talk to this guy, Sanjay Singh. And so then he calls in a favor, and they say, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll get someone to help you out." And so he meets uh, in a cafe this guy Neil, and the guy Neil's like, "Well, you know, it's going to be really hard for you to meet this guy because he has like basically an army of security." And, you know, they're like, oh, here's some different things you could do. You know, you could get into his house by bungee jumping. It's bungee jumpable. And he's like, and um, John, uh, John David Washington's like, uh, bungee jumpable is not a word. It's like, well, that's, that's what we're about to do. So <laughs> I did like that little bit of dialogue because I, I yeah. was thinking something like that. I don't think that's a word. Then he said yeah. it. And I'm like, hey. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot, like, I think one of the strongest things in this film is, like, their relationship. Mm-hmm. The uh, John David Washington-Neil relationship. Uh, it's it's very cool. And you can, like, you kind of can see, like, how, how their chemistry really, really works, basically. Um, and, like, there's this great thing that, you know, it's going to become kind of important later, where... Um, he like orders like Neil orders a uh, diet coke for for him, and he's like, "Oh, I I uh, it's like, how oh, how'd you know that? It's like, oh well, it pays in my profession. It pays to to know <laughs> things about people. Wink, wink. And then he's yeah. and then yeah, and then the guy and then he's like, oh, I usually like soda water. He's like, mm, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll find out later why he knows so much about him. Uh, but yeah, that's one of the cool kind of interactions they have. <clears throat> so, okay. So then they do this whole thing, uh, where they bungee jump up this building. Um, and how'd you like this scene where they, where they do the bungee jumping up there? I liked it. I feel like they should have been wearing helmets. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah. you know, Christopher Nolan wants you to be able to see his actors and his characters faces. Um, they just got these little like vest things on. I'm just like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. That's not how it works. <laughs> you know? I've seen people jump bungee jump, and that's not how they bungee jump. <laughs> Everything's backwards though. Like they're not jumping off the building to get up. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm, it kind mm-hmm. of goes with the the theme of everything being backwards yeah. and all that other stuff. So I, I liked it, but at the same time, I was like, yeah, they would have smashed right into the side of that. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. you're like putting like a, a toothpick in the center of a of a of a rubber band, and then just <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I could yeah. be wrong. I could be very wrong. But, um, <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Good idea though. Great, great. Um, yeah, innovation. great, cool idea. Very cool scene. I mean, basically, they're not bungee jumping; they're jumping bungee, right? Yeah, they're jumping bungee. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they get up there, and they, you know, we get this, you know, the cool spy scenes where they like stealthily take out a bunch of people mm-hmm. who are like, you know, the the security. 
Um, and then, you know, John David Washington, like, he basically gets this guy, Sanjay, he's like, okay, you need to tell me some information because there's a bunch of bullets that are traced to you that were inverted. And how did that happen? And, you know, they kind of talk. And then basically what we find out is that the guy is a front for the wife. The wife is the real, the real power, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then the wife gives uh, John David Washington a bunch of information, basically about this guy, the, the villain, uh, Andre Sator, who is a person who basically, so they sold him the bullets and then he inverted the bullets. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, that's a problem. Yeah, because they're all criminals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so Sator is, he, he's acting, he's functioning as a broker between the future, him, like the present and the future. And the future is like sending him information for some reason. Uh, which is interesting, very interesting concept. Um, and then they, they kind of get into this thing about like, you know, like how can you communicate with the future? And basically what they're saying is like any traceable thing that you do, um, like for instance, like this recording could, you know, be speaking to the future because- Hi future. People, exactly, hi future. Yeah, hello future people. Um, because yeah, they'd say, oh yeah, on May 8th at- uh, 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, they were there. And so if you know that, you can like send something to that point yeah, in time. Yeah, like an email or a text message or a voicemail, anything like that, yeah. Yeah, anything that's timestamped, then you know, okay, the person's there at that time, then I can, bloop, I can insert something into that time period and boom, uh, we're, we're talking, you know? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, he's doing this to do something nefarious and they, but they, what they're ba- basically, what she says is, He's trying to get all these, I guess, nuclear weapons or something or nuclear stuff to do stuff, do bad stuff, do villain stuff. Um, and so, yeah, now um, now he knows, okay, I got to find this guy and stop this guy and meet him somehow. So, boom, that sends him off onto the next part of his um, <clears throat> part of his trip. And so then he meets uh, Michael Caine, who's playing Sir Michael Crosby. Um, and Michael Crosby. Just, Michael yeah, <laughs> it's basically. Michael Caine being Michael Caine. Because, yeah, Michael Caine is supposed to be retired. Um, but For Christopher you know, Nolan, no, he's not. Exactly. <laughs> so he's like, okay, hey, look, just do this one scene for me. He was like, All oh. you have to do is eat a snack and sit in a chair. You don't have to leave your house. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, they shot it in London or something, and it's just, it's just him going there. Um... So yeah, he just like it's a bunch of exposition that's going to be important later. The the things that are kind of important is like, so we learn a whole bunch about this. Basically, Sater's wife is this uh, woman cat, and they have this whole. It, it's it's a little convoluted. There's all this weird stuff with a painting. Basically, there's some painting, some fraud, that made him mad at her for some reason, and so that makes her trapped in this relationship. Yeah. Um, he- He's pissed because she betrayed him because she unknowingly sold him a faux, a, a fake painting. Which, dude, get over it. Get over it, yeah. It's like, she didn't know. And it's just, uh, I found that whole thing. Just like, like of all the things he could have had over her head. Like, she was a drug mule. She was this, she was that. It, yeah. It was a painting she wasn't aware was fake. Yeah. That's not her fault. Yeah, it's, it's weird, yeah. 
Um, men. <laughs> yeah, no, this guy, this guy, he's he's got all kinds of problems. He's got all kinds of problems. Um, and then, the, so the other thing too was like, they talk about there's this explosion that happened at uh, this this place, it's Dusk Twelve, um, which is going to be important later. But that's basically those are the two things that he tells him. So, and then he also gives him another fake painting. <laughs> <laughs> to meet her with <laughs> which by the way the world of fake art is very very saturated within the real art community sometimes cur um, historians or curators or whatever people who run these auction houses do knowingly sell fake art and it's there's a huge market behind it yeah it's crazy. yeah 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 that, that stuff can be really especially if it's like a really really good fake how, how's anyone gonna know exactly <laughs> um, okay, so so then um, John David Washington goes to meet her, uh, and he like gives her the fake Goya, and then they have dinner, and they're talking over dinner, and basically he, he like proposes this thing to her to like, hey, I can get you out of the situation if you can get me to meet with him, and I'll you know I'll I'll be able to get the uh, painting for you, and so then you won't have to deal with his craziness. <clears throat> and she's like, well, no, that's not going to work out because blah blah blah. You know, it's just not going to happen. And then Satyr's, you know, thug, thug guys show up. and The goon squad. The goons come, yep. Um, and then they get into a fight in the... <laughs> they, they get into a fight in the kitchen. Oh, my God. That scene, when he picked up the cheese grater, I'm like, oh, yeah. this is going to hurt. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if you've ever hurt your finger on a cheese grater before, but it's... It's sharp. Oh, my God. And you're smacking somebody with that? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. The worst thing is like you're grating the cheese and then you get too close and you're like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> and he smacked somebody with that. He smacked him like, like, oh. like, boom, boom, boom. That was the most violent thing in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like kitchens are dangerous, okay? There's yeah. a lot of sharp objects and he picked up the cheese grater and I was like, Ugh. And some guy was coming at him with like a meat like um, pulverizer. Yeah. yeah, he had the pulverizer, and they're like gonna pulverize his hand, and he's like, he takes his hand away and he starts beating him up. It's a really yeah. great. Scene. That was really, really good. Yeah, he, he's a piece of shit out of his guys, and he's like, I ordered my hot sauce an hour ago. <laughs> um, so he beats them up, and then so they 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 expected that you know he was gonna get his ass kicked, but then he kicked all their asses, and so uh, they were like, oh, he, he wants you to see what he what they do to this man. And then he like steps out of the building and he's like, oh shit. And he like starts a car and drives away. It's like, oh, this guy's serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. Um, oh yeah, the other thing too, I guess, the, the biggest thing about Kat, like, you know, we'll, we'll get into the stuff about the characters later, but basically what we know about her is she really loves her son. She really hates her husband. <laughs> like that, that's her character. <laughs> Yep, that's her in a nutshell. That's her in a nutshell. Um, okay, so then they, um, after she sees, you know, him beat the, you know, beat the shit out of these guys, she's like, okay, this guy can maybe help me out. So they they meet up again, and she she kind of, you know, she gives them the details. So the painting is at a Freeport in Oslo, and a Freeport is like some place where it, it's. I guess the best way to describe it is like it's like a place where you can like keep stuff so that it's not like 
you don't have to pay taxes on it or whatever. Yeah, like high-end valuables, mm -hmm. art, jewelry, what what have you. Yeah, because usually, like you know, if you if you so if you um if you buy something in say like Europe and then you try to fly it into or or like the other way around or whatever, like you buy something you're European, you buy something in America, you try to bring it over to Europe, you usually have to pay like a duty on it. And so with a free port, you get to um, not have to pay the taxes or whatever. And it just sits at the free port. <clears throat> but, you know, they, so, so basically what they're going to do, what they're trying to do is they, they think, okay, there's a safe at this free port where he has all the, um, all the stuff. Um, they, they expect that they're going to see the nuclear material in this free port. Um, and, you know, he told her, so the John David Washington is trying to get this information from her because like, you know, she thinks he's going to get the painting to get her out of the situation with the husband, but he's like, I'm going to get the nuclear material. Um, so he's kind of playing her basically. Yeah. She's kind of a means to an end. Yeah. She's a means to an end. Um, so then, you know, Neil and, John David Washington, they're like, okay, so we gotta we gotta get into this the the middle of this building. So we have to come up with a plan. So we have to create a diversion. And Neil's like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna hijack a plane, and then we're gonna crash the plane into the hangar, which is going to initiate their uh, emergency fire precautions. And that's gonna allow us to then have like a minute to get into where the safe is. Because we're gonna have to like hack through the doors, and then we'll be scot free. We'll be able to get, get what we want. Easy um, as pie. Yeah, easy as pie. And um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 interesting. Um, but yeah, that's the plan. He, yeah, he tells him like, "Oh, don't be ridiculous. We're not gonna actually fly the plane yeah. in there. We're just gonna drive it in there. Would you relax? Yeah. You're so yeah. American." <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I think we're going to fly the plane. Don't be ridiculous. We're just gonna drive it into. Yeah, I love that. He's just like, "Don't be dramatic. Yeah. We're just gonna drive it into it." Yeah. It's like, it's great. Yeah, and then they're like, "Okay, let's let's do it." Um, and then we get this great scene with the seven forty-seven. <clears throat> so they're, you know, they they're. They're going to do the thing. They have these briefcases that have some fake stuff in it, but the briefcase is just um, basically hiding the tools they need to hack in to get into the place where the safe is. Um, this other guy, what is this guy's name? The other guy, I forget the the third guy, the guy who actually does the hijacking. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, but I liked him. For the little yeah. amount of screen time he had, I liked his character. Yeah, he's he's there. He like helps them out a lot. Um, anyway, I forget his name. Uh, so he, you know, he gets in. They they get into they they act as him and his his other guy act as flight crew. They get up there. They knock a couple people out. They uh, they get into the uh, cockpit and they tell him, "Hey, you gotta you gotta go." They drive the plane towards the hangar. Um, they they. Open the emergency uh, landing chute. They have the two pilots jump off the plane through the little landing slide. They dump they 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 blow up a grenade inside of the seven forty seven. Dump a bunch of gold bars out of it, and then drive the plane into <laughs> this building. 
So they, that was a real plane. They they drove into a building. I was like, damn, Christopher Nolan. It's great. So when I saw I saw this in the theater, and I I believe that um, there's a moment where you first see the plane, and then the the like the score is super loud. Yeah. I swear to God, that was the loudest thing I've ever heard in theater. It was loud just on my computer. I thought my yeah. poor little speakers were going to like <laughs> gonna die. <explode. laughs> Christopher Nolan would have owed me a new computer if that had happened. <laughs> I, I do not I do not believe that I've heard anything louder in a theater than that moment when you first see the plane. Um, it was pretty exciting because you're like, because that was the movie saying, this is a plane. Like This is a real plane. And, and we're, we're really going to try- crash it. Yeah. <laughs> It's like we're not messing around, guys. This yeah. is not a model. This is not yeah. CGI. Fuck you, Michael Bay. We're yeah. doing this. <laughs> this is a real plane that's about to fly a, a 747 that's about to crash into a building. And they do it, and it's really sweet. It's really sweet. It's pretty um, good. And it's all IMAX too, so it's it's really, really, really cool. Great explosions and um yeah, the whole the whole thing is like so grand and kind of awesome. Um and so so then the the plane crashes, it causes all these things to happen. The other guy who uh Neil and the protagonist are with, he leaves the room. And the two of them are there and they're they're basically doing their plan. They have you know, as long as basically as long as they can hold their breath to get through all of these um because the the way and the way that uh this part of the building works is that to put out a fire, they remove all the oxygen with some kind of chemical process um, instead of with sprinklers because they don't want to put sprinklers on the paintings. Yeah, yeah um, that, that would really fuck it up. It would, it would fuck them up. <laughs> but that's really bad for any human being who's in the, you know, yeah. like if you're in there and it removes all the oxygen, you're just going to die. Uh, so the two of them, they're like doing their thing. They're trying to get into this part of the building. They get through the first door easily. They get the second door. It's kind of hard, but they get through it. Then they come to some where the safe should be, but instead it's this kind of interesting looking room with two doors, uh, both labeled with different colors. One's like blue, one's red. Um, and then they see this machine and then two people pop out of the machine. (laughs) And then um, John David Washington's getting into a fight with some dude, and they're fighting backwards, like going backwards in time. And we get this crazy fight scene, <laughs> which is really cool. Um, and, and, yeah, so this this was this was like crazy, crazy. Mm. So yeah, how what did you think of this fight scene? I mean, I liked it. I thought it was pretty innovative, but. I was kind of, again, it was one of those moments where I was like, I can't really tell what's happening because it is backwards, but I think that's, like, kind of the point. Um, but, no, I liked it. It was crazy. The fact that they were really fighting backwards. I'm like, can you imagine the stunt coordinator being like, you want me to do what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need you to I need you to choreograph a scene where these guys are fighting backwards. You can, you can do that for yeah. me. You can do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're just staring at Chris Monroe like, how much am I getting paid? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah I can do that. I could do that. I think. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some really interesting. Like, there's a moment where um, <clears throat> one of one of the like the guy. So they, basically, there's you know John David Washington, and there's a guy in some kind of like I don't know SWAT looking suit, and 
the guy in the SWAT suit, like, he falls on the ground, but then he's, like, kind of... He's crawling like, forward. It was really yeah. weird. It was, like, that's some exorcist shit right there. Yeah, he's, like, crawling forward. Um, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, and for the protagonist, he's kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> this is some like, Freddy Krueger shit. Like, yeah. no. Yeah, the whole time he's like, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. And and also Neil is like running after some other guy. And so then Neil stops the guy, um, kind of lets him go. You see the guy, he like takes the thing off and he's like, he just lets him go. Um, and so then, you know, basically at the end, um, the protagonist, he like, he kind of gets the other guy submitted and then he's like, tell me what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, no, don't kill him, don't kill him. It's like, why are you here? Why are you here? And then the guy gets sucked out of the building. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gets sucked out of the building and then he's gone. That's it. Um, and then they're they're like, okay, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's like, what happened to the other guy? And then Neil says, oh, I took care of him. Um, so that kind of like threw up red flags for me at first. I was like, wait, what? The second we like actually meet Neil, I'm like, I don't know if I trust this guy. Because in spy movies, generally your best friend is also your enemy. Oh, yeah. I feel like. Um, like that, that tends to be like a trope. Um, yeah. So you can't really trust the new the, the new guy. Maybe he's like, he's usually like an imposter. He killed the actual guy or, you know, whatever. Or he's being bribed by the bad guys. Um, so, yeah, that that was a moment where I was like, yeah, I don't really, that just makes me not trust you at all. Mm-hmm. But this is a movie about time travel. So that also made me think he knows something yeah, and he, he knows, knows more than I think he's letting on. So it could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was, I was, uh, I was like, okay, that it definitely made me feel like he was a traitor at first. Also that like was, they put him first. in a double breasted suit and that looks terrible on anybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did like that that everybody in this movie who wears a suit is wearing a different kind of suit just from like a, a costume point of view because I love mm-hmm. co- the costumes in Chris Brown Nolan movies are always like on point and um, I was like eh, the double rest of the suit is just not working for me it doesn't look good <laughs> yeah there's some good suits in here they're really oh they're god really yeah. everything uh, everything the protagonist wears is amazing like he looks yeah. great like tail you can tell when a suit is tailored Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's really on point um so then they have like a kind of a debrief and they're like whoa that was crazy right <laughs> so that <laughs> happened <funny>. yeah <laughs> um and so then they're like okay we gotta figure out what the hell's going on uh <laughs> which is great um this is great line too like which actually again it's another thing that's gonna kind of it has more context when we know the ending of the film um <clears throat> And so the protagonist is telling Neil, so he's like, after we're done, you know, they'll kill you. Um, and then Neil's like, won't, won't, uh, won't you have to do that anyway? Um, and then the protagonist says, I'd rather be my decision. And then Neil's like, yeah, me too, I think. Which becomes very interesting later on. Mm. Right, yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those ones where you watch it later and you're like, oh, okay. Oh. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, then the protagonist meets Priya again. And um, <clears throat> basically she, she kind of gives him more information. Uh, she had been not totally truthful 
Um, and I forget exactly what they talk about here, but basically it's like, yeah, well, so yeah, he has a time machine and <laughs> you know, that, that's basically like what you were talking about. Like, so yeah, you, uh, you, you interacted with someone from a time machine and uh, yeah, that's actually what we're trying to do here is stop all this time travel shenanigans because um, if there's too much time travel, it's going to, it's going to become a huge problem on the planet. And he's like, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, so then, uh, oh yeah. And she also tells him like, oh, he's really after like this plutonium 241. So, so dangle that in front of him and then he'll, you can get closer to him. And so then he, um, John David Washington, uh, meets up with Kat again and he's like, oh yeah, I have the painting. You know, he totally lies to her. So I need you to set up a meeting with me and Seder. And so, she does that because she's like, okay, well, I'm out of the situation. I'm out of the abusive relationship. So I can, I can do that for you. And then I can get away from him and then everyone's happy. Um, I really like this scene too. Just like the, the look of it. Cause this, this is the spy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think they're in Italy or something like that, but it's beautiful. Oh yeah. The scenery it's, is gorgeous. It's so amazing. And there's this whole thing with the boat, with the, uh, with the boats and stuff like it's it's incredible the way they shot that that whole sequence and like just like you know um the protagonist like driving the boat to satyr's big yacht just classic spy stuff classic bond villain oh yeah he's got a yacht he's in italy it's like he's russian it's totally spy shit yeah this is this is straight out of the hitchcock james bond stuff like classic classic stuff so cool um yeah and so then they have dinner uh he you know Sator has some crazy thing like oh i'm gonna cut your throat and then shove your balls and <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i'm going uh... to cut i'm going to cut your throat and then put your balls in your throat there's nothing more yeah, is it just me or does Kenneth Branagh love playing Russians? <laughs> like, I feel like this is his second, like, evil Russian character. And he's, I mean, he's good at it, don't get me wrong, but it's just like. Yeah, he leans into it. Oh, yeah, he leans into playing the bad guy really, really bad. Like, and it's just so gross. It's just like. Ew. He's, yeah, he's, he's a trashy, he's a trashy character. Um, and so yeah, he dangles the like, ooh, I know about the plutonium. Oh, uh, do you know about opera? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you do you like opera? It's like, I do like opera. Yeah, well, I was at an opera house and I saw some plutonium and I know where it is. Um, he's like, okay. And so he's like, Meet meet me on boats tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so then they get on this boat thing and this is so did you were you able to hear anything that that they talked about on this boat? This scene actually wasn't that bad. It okay. it wasn't that difficult, but I did have to keep readjusting just a little bit, especially if like music comes in when they're talking or god forbid someone shoots a gun. Um cuz it's in this movie it sounds as loud as it does in real life and it's yeah. very loud. <laughs> and yeah. it it, but it wasn't as bad. Like the actually, the dialogue when they're eating dinner in Italy was pretty easy to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I when I saw this in the theater the first time, first couple times, like this boat scene was incomprehensible. Do you um, mean you mean the gliding boats, right? Yeah, the gliding boats. Yeah, yeah. Um, like like yeah, when they're on the 
Yeah, the gliding boats. Exactly. I, yeah, I don't know what they're called. I'm assuming this is kind of gliding because they kind of get airborne a little bit, but not mm -hmm. too, too much. Um, There's a proper term for it, but I'm, I don't have enough money to know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so I'm going to be friends with Elon Musk. I bet he has a yeah, whole bunch exactly. of those he's never used. Um, and they're electric powered or something? <laughs> I hate rich people. <laughs> um, I did have my subtitles on too, yeah. so that, that definitely helped. Yeah, it helps. It helps a lot. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, yeah, I mean, I kind of get what they're saying, but I feel like I'm going to lose plot trying to just listen. And it's some like, like again, this is another thing where it's it's some like really deep kind of exposition. Yeah, like these um, are things that we actually need to pay attention to because this is him infiltrating it, and it just just take it down a notch, a couple notches, <laughs> Nolan. That's all we're asking. Yeah. Compromise. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, we get we get a bunch of stuff here. So Cat tries to kill him, but I did not see that coming. Yeah, <laughs> she is a loose cannon. That woman. <laughs> she is a really loose cannon. <laughs> I can't say that I blame her. I really, really don't. Because if I was in that position and I had that opportunity, I'd be like, hey. Yeah, you gotta die, buddy. But that's the only way to get away from this dude. You know, literally, that's like the only yeah. way to get away from him. And you know, he's terrible. So I'd say, you know a life for a bunch of other lives he's ruined is fine with me totally um so then later we learn about like his past so basically he uh you know he's a russian uh he got to where he was because he took some contract to clean up plutonium from some nuclear fallout sites like something exploded and when he went to the site he got into contact with the people from the future basically uh he found something at one of these sites and um it gave they gave him a bunch of money and they told him a bunch of stuff and he he was like okay i'll do what you guys want pretty much uh and yeah i was just gonna say he kind of has a chosen one complex going on <laughs> he does yeah he does um because the future did choose him for a reason but he he's just like I am the chosen one. They chose the future chose me kind of yeah. a thing. And it's just like, dude, you're fucking full of yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, he also has a, like, if, if I can't have it, he says, he says, if I can't have you, no one else can up to his wife. I, I kind of gagged a little bit when he said that. I'm like, ah, gross. Yeah, it's gross. He's super gross. Um, but yeah, so the protagonist makes a deal. He's like, oh yeah, I'll get you the plutonium 241. Um, you just have to give me some money and, uh, then the go-between will be your wife. He's like, okay, fine. Um, and then, and then we get the scene where he's about to like beat on his wife and it's like, yeah, that was fucked up. That was so fucked up. We get, we get, we get a fair amount of wife beating in this movie. Like, yeah. He's a monster. Yeah, he's, he's terrible. Like the worst type of person, no redeeming qualities whatsoever. No. Like, cause I feel like for a while in movies like this, they're trying to give like your, your villain kind of a, a reason you know a motivation of why they're such yeah. a pig um like the um javier bardem's character in uh skyfall um i felt he a little bad revenge. for him I, he wanted revenge and quite frankly i think he kind of deserved it a little bit um i felt bad for that character but kenneth Branagh's character is just like no he he's just a pig and i'm ugh. yeah he's 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 
totally that, disgusting. And that was really for Christopher Nolan, who doesn't show violence. That was really dark. Like yeah. that was a really the the implications of that scene were really really dark. And I was like, damn, that's that's really really a deep and dark place to go for him. Yeah, that that was some like old school, you know, nineteen forties thirties kind of stuff. <laughs> the people yeah. would do to women, you know. It's like wow, wow. Ugh. Um. Yeah. So so then there, there's some more stuff. We kind of we kind of learn more about like how he's getting all this. Basically, like it's crazy because basically the future they're also giving him money. They give him all these gold bars and stuff. Uh, we see him get some gold and then beat some guy to death because he tried to steal his gold. Um, and, you know, you know, they 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 make this deal. I'm gonna get you the plutonium. You give me money, blah blah blah. But it's you know the protagonist is just trying to trap him pretty much. Um, yeah, and then you know we we learn like how how he's um, able to receive the information Andre Seder from the future. Like, so they they bury a time capsule at a dead drop and then that's what they call it. and that's a a dead drop but that's a that's another spy term it's kind of interesting because it's like taking these spy terms and then like inverting them yeah <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> put a sci-fi spin on it um so yeah so like he he'll i think he just like has some kind of thing where he can email like the, on his watch he has like a little smart watch where he can just email or whatever and then they're like, okay, he was there, so we give him money or whatever and information. Um, you tell him about what's going to happen in the future, basically. Hey, so, don't you oh, no. dare start barking! <laughs> don't do it. She's too sleepy. It's just kind of like half-hearted. Yeah. There yeah, we go. Like, oh, she's good. Oh. Sorry. Can <laughs> um. Yeah. So then. They they have a you know so we got another sequence here where the protagonist and Neil are like okay how are we gonna steal this plutonium we got to do it without leaving any traces because then they'll know what what we're doing so they get a bunch of so so um some it's like the Ukrainian special forces or whatever they're they're moving the material and they know where they're gonna move it so they get these four massive trucks and they kind of box them in and then they kind of close in on him <clears throat> and then the uh the protagonist he gets into the the thing and takes the 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 plutonium <laughs> takes the plutonium um meanwhile we get some more you know wife beating in like a really bad scene where he like slaps her and like kicks her like when she like pulls a gun on him um and he says this oh <laughs> anger anger scars over into despair. I only see anger. And then he like kicks her. It's like really bad. Oh, you're a real tough really guy. He, exactly. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Um okay, so this is this is one of my favorite this is this is this is one of my favorite like crazy like implications of all this stuff. So the two of them are driving a the car, they're in like a BMW. And you'll notice they kind of—it's really cool how they show. It. They show it. They show that their um, their side view mirror is um, is busted. It, there's a, yeah. there's a <laughs> the mirror is busted. Um, it's like hmm, that's interesting. Um, so basically, 
what we're going to find out later is that it got hit by an inverted car. <laughs> so when the inverted car hits, it becomes unbusted. But that means that this car came off the lot with a busted mirror. And then it became unbusted when it got hit by this car. <laughs> so that's that's a that's a total mindfuck. I mean, there's no other way to put it. There are a lot of implications to this. <laughs> there's so many. It's crazy. Like, I noticed that and I'm like, okay, a spy wouldn't get a car with a busted mirror. Like I don't care how much of a hur- in a hurry you are. Like, you're just not going to. Yeah. Also, Chris Nolan loves using big trucks, big trucks in movies and crashing them. He loves doing yeah, it. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. He did in Dark Knight Rises. It's a big truck. And also crashing planes. This whole, oh my God, this whole scene was just crazy. But I was just yeah, like. It's crazy. What? It was just, it was so much at one time. And then. It it's, just keeps going. It just keeps going. It doesn't stop. You have no time to really yeah, just it's breathe. crazy. It's totally crazy. So yeah, so they so the protagonist steals the stuff. Um they hear someone on the, on the radio speaking backwards. <laughs> He's like, yeah, what are they saying? Like, it's not Estonian. They're speaking backwards. It's backwards? Oh so then, shit. So then they get attacked by some inverted people, uh, and not inverted people. Um, they're chased by a car going backwards, and they see that it's the guy gets next to him, and they see that it's Seder, and he's gonna kill Cat. So then uh, he's like, "Okay, I'm just gonna give him what he wants." So he gives him the box, and then there's another car. There's a Saab that is inverted, and then the Saab is like, dur, 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 dur. it's like un uh, crashing itself. Yep. Um, <laughs> And Neil's just trying to not crash into anything because yeah. at that point you don't know if you have been crashed into. You know what I mean? Like, they have no idea what's coming next. They have no idea. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so then he gives him the stuff. He gives him he gives Sater the box. Um Sater gets out of his car into another car, and then they they go away. John uh the protagonist has to save um cat from crashing the car he saves her but then they get captured by satyr's goons um and then we get some more torture <laughs> we get some more torture yay more russian ukrainian torture yeah. yeah we get more torture and he's like you will give me information on to kill her blah 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 tell me what did you keep it is it in the bmw blah 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 one of them's talking backwards though is it satyr yeah, he is. Yeah. He is. So, okay, so they have this. I believe that what it is is they have a machine that, like, so he speaks and it's backwards, and then there's something that basically it makes that translates it. Yeah, translates that into like forwards. Um, so then the protagonist tells him, "Oh yeah, the plutonium's in the BMW," but this is after Cat got shot. Um, and then. The cavalry arrives, which is Tenet. This was another thing that kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if you felt the same way, but I was like, who the hell are these people? Yeah. Suddenly the organization was just too, was just too big all of a sudden. I mean, I guess it makes sense that they would need like their own army to fight it. You know what I mean? So, I mean, and if this has really been going on as long as I'm assuming it has been, then they would have had to have had people before 
the protagonist came along. He's not, yeah. unlike Seder, who has a God complex and a chosen one complex, John is just the next, or excuse me, the protagonist is just the next recruit in yeah. a long line of recruits because um, they're all pretty good at what they do. Um, especially that one guy who ends up helping them towards the end. I forget his character's name. Um, You're, are you talking about Aaron Taylor Johnson? Kick was ass. that Aaron Taylor Johnson? That was Aaron Taylor Johnson, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was. Where, where it's the three of them, right? It's the yes. three of them. At the, yeah, that's Aaron Taylor Johnson. That's a small part for him because usually he's, he's yeah. like. It, it's it's kind of a biggish part. Like Like, I would say that he's. One of, uh, I mean, it, it's a supporting role, but because um, like there's basically three leads. It's like Neil, the protagonist, and Cat, and then also you know then there's like Sater and but but yeah, he's 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 got it a good the, place, big part. The accent totally threw me off. That's it, what made me think it wasn't actually him because I was like, I don't think he's that good to do an accent like that. But yeah, what is Scottish? I don't know what he is. I don't know what he was doing, but like I totally yeah. bought it and I had no idea it was him. Wow, that yeah, just so, totally blew my mind. So that was Ives. So Ives, Ives shows up, yeah, Ives, and um, you know, <laughs> so so then so then the and it, yeah, it's Aaron Taylor Johnson. That was that was kind of cool. This was it was it was not as good as like seeing um, seeing Matt Damon in. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't as good as seeing Matt seeing Matt Damon in Interstellar, but it kind no, of no. felt it kind similar. of felt like that. Yeah, it was very similar. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's kick ass. <laughs> oh shit cool <clears throat> um so then the protagonist is like okay dude neil you know too much and you've been lying so i'm gonna have to punch you in the face um <laughs> and then aaron Taro johnson's like he's like no 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 you don't understand you know understand it's uh it's it's a it's a temporal pincer move it's like what a, a temporal pincer so we, what they do is they attack you from both sides of the timeline and they meet you in the middle and when they do that, they know everything is going on. You see, <laughs> and that's what makes me think that if he knows that 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 strategy, that move, or whatever, that this has been going on for a while. This is not the first time that like this is not this kid's first radio. So, like I said, like the protagonist is just a, in a long line of tenant recruits. Yeah, tenant recruit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, at the end, there's a lot of fucking people around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I especially like. This 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 movie, in in terms of philosophically and how 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 time works, it pulls up a lot of it's a lot of questions because it's like, well, if they wouldn't you have anticipated that they were gonna do a temporal temporal pincer move and wouldn't you go on a like, you know, be prepared for that or like do one yourself or something? Um, I would think that they would, the tenant people would be like, this is kind of important. We should be prepared but you know they weren't the movie prepared, makes whatever. a very good point of making sure that Seder is always one step ahead of them because Seder is very good at using the technology like yeah, he's yeah. very apt to it um so i think it was just like oh our villain's got to be once no it's got to not just one step ahead he's got to be future in the head you know he has yeah. to be literally ahead yeah yeah or or behind yeah. either way <laughs> <laughs> Either way, you're getting you're, yeah. you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Either way, you're you're not you're not catching up to them. So then they're basically so. Cat got shot. She got shot by inverted bullet, which is really bad. It's gonna kill you very quickly. So they have to like invert her to like save her. 
And so pretty much they say, you know, oh, you'd have to, you know, I was just like, you'd have to take her back, you know, invite her a week. There's no way to do that. We don't, we don't have control of this turnstile. It's like, well, you know, there's another turnstile in Oslo at the airport. It's like, oh no, you could never do that. It's, it's impregnable. It's like, mm, no, not that exactly. Wasn't last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we drove a freaking plane into it. <laughs> yeah. So um, they're like, okay, that could work. Um, so they have to bring her back to Oslo. And then John did, but uh, the protagonist is like, oh, but, you know, he, you know, um, Seder threatened to kill her in the past. So I have to go back in the past to make sure she doesn't die. And basically they have like, so, so someone, um, this was another kind of thing that people have talked about, which is like this movie on a certain level is also just about like two people who disagree about how time travel works. Mm. Because yeah. <laughs> and and it's like one guy's like oh dude no it's like terminator dude like it's, this is another timeline we have to like change it he's like no it's not it's not terminator it's uh and back to the future yeah exactly yeah. The yeah they even bring up the the grandfather paradox and stuff like that yeah 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 so so then uh the protagonist he goes into the pat he goes he, he inverts himself he goes into the past we get a whole bunch of more exposition about what it's like when you invert yourself. You can't breathe oxygen, so you need an oxygen mask. Uh, you can't touch yourself because if you do, you'll die or something will happen. Annihilation is what they say. Um, Weaver. Weaver is the other person. So Ives and Weaver are like the two tenant people who tell us stuff. And the rest are just kind of, you know, jar, you know, <laughs> uh, jarheads, basically. Red shirts. <laughs> yeah, red shirts. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is a great scene like at the end where they're like they're like uh gonna do the final battle and they um they because there's like two teams and they're like, Oh, why won't they show us what happened to team A? It's like oh, they don't want us to know. Mm, we can't we can't know and do we really wanna know? <laughs> we can know, yeah. We're in a, we're in for a bad we're in for a bad time. Um yeah, so you need you need a mask for air because you can't breathe. Inverted air. Um you're going, so you you feel like you're going forwards, but to everyone else you're going backwards. Um, can't touch yourself, or also you'll annihilate everything. Um, and then there's some other stuff about like how the turnstiles work. Did did that? Did they, did any of this te- turnstile technology stuff make sense? Or Not at all. Like- <laughs> Still, no. It's just I, I was at that point in this point in the movie. I was so deep into it. I'm like, yeah, I just want to yeah. know. I just want to see it. I just want there, to see there, there's so much stuff in this movie that um, it took. I probably t- it took me like seven times to pick up on it. Mm. There's this line of dialogue where they're ta- so the protagonist and um, Neil are talking about like, oh, give me this tracking thing, and he's like, no, uh, you you don't need the tracking thing. They threw out the box, the box that supposedly had the uh, the the plutonium in it. And he says, "Like, no, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm going backwards, so I'm following the ball." It's like, what the fuck are they talking about? It took me forever. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Th- I think <laughs> I'm definitely gonna rewatch it. Like, like I said, I only rewatched like scenes yeah. and stuff like that. But I was just like, I'm but just that, along for the ride at this point. Like, I'm, I'm doing what they told me to do and just not thinking about it. <laughs> that that line of dialogue took me like seven times to understand. Um, because basically, what he's saying is like, it, it's because so crazy. Because when things go backwards, it's like totally. 
it, it's totally crazy. Cause like, because you're going backwards, he finds the box, he puts a tracking device in the box. And because the box is going backwards, you're now tracking the thing that they took that's going backwards. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> my brain is starting to mush. My brain, a bit. my brain is starting to mush. So, so what do you think about like when we first see him inverted going into the world inverted? It was pretty cool. You know, kind of what I was expecting. You know, birds flying backwards, everything kind of sounding weird because it's all like backwards and stuff. Like that's pretty good. I liked yeah. it. Yeah, and then he steps in that puddle backwards. Oh, yeah, the puddle was, cool. was really good. He gets in the car. One of my favorite things is he's driving, right? And there's this couple that's like, they're, they had just crossed the street. And they're like going backwards from crossing the street or something. And they kind of look at him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they kind of look at him. <laughs> I really like that. Because like, you know, it, they were they had just unprocessed seeing someone drive backwards past yep. them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. It's really cool. It's really that that was the fun stuff. And then he's driving backwards. And this scene is crazy because he's driving backwards and then um it's it's actually really cool what they do in the scene. Like how all this stuff because like you see him driving and then it's almost like he ran over, like, like you know, if someone threw out a thing at McDonald's out the mm-hmm. window. <laughs> he runs it over, but you, like, you like see it fluttering, and then, like, it, like, reverse flutters into the wheel. Yep. Where he runs it over. And then, like, he hits a car, but, like, it's, like, car's fine, car's fine, car crash, you know? Um, it's all really cool. It's really cool stuff. Yeah. And then, so then, oh, and then we get into, this is one of the biggest... This took me a while. This thing kind of mind fucked me a little bit. So we we see so we know from the, the past that the sob gets flipped. And now we know, oh, the, he was in the sob. Um then they so then he gets he's back into the scenario where, you know, on one side you see that it's uh Sater and on the other side it's the protagonist and Neil and their BMW. Um and then you see the uh, the box get get exchanged, but we're seeing it backwards. So we see the box go to go from Seder to the protagonist, his not his forward self, not the inverse self. And then like Seder kind of looks at the guy in the sob and he sees, oh shit, that's the protagonist. Um, and basically, he realizes that's where the plutonium is. And then we see the plutonium like jiggering around in the back mm-hmm. of the car <laughs> and then it goes like and then it goes into um and then it then it uh then then the protagonist his forward self grabs it so we see that he put the plutonium into the sob um and then uh so so then Seder makes the sob crash and then he blows it up um and then Again, this is another time where the protagonist should have died, but apparently he he didn't because the explosion wasn't powerful enough. It just froze him, gave him hypothermia instead of killing him, which is funny. Yeah. So, yeah, so just to go back to this whole sob situation, this was another thing that kind of, again, it mind-fucked because I was like, okay, so so then at the end of the, basically at the end of this thing, uh, he gets the plutonium, but it's like, how did he get it? Like, where was it? What happened? Mm-hmm. 
And it's really weird because basically the plutonium is in the car the whole time. It's in the saw the whole time. And so it's kind of it's kind of weird because like basically what happens is at the end of this whole scenario, a couple of people drive up to this sob and just take the thing out of the sob and leave. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. There's so it's, much it, going on. It's crazy. It's crazy. But the thing is, they never like explain that. There's never like you just have to figure that out yourself. Exactly. That it's like you said. He wants you to watch it more than once. That that. So like I was, we were talking about before we uh, went on air, like there are, there are like massive uh, documents that break down what happens in this movie. And there are, there's some just about this, this, uh, this whole sequence with the cars, just about this whole sequence Jesus. to try and explain <laughs> it like massive documents. Um, Cause yeah, it's very confusing. Like it took me a while. I was yeah. like, Okay, wait. So, so how did they get the thing? <laughs> I know they have the thing, but where did the thing yeah. come from, and why? <laughs> and and the, the the kind of the problem is like, at a certain point, you're like, okay, I don't know what I don't know, and I don't I don't really care to want to figure it out, so I'm just gonna go with it. You know, exactly. <laughs> he made me submit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, Ex exactly. He made me submit, so I'm just gonna kind of go with the ride. Um, so then we learn the truth about what's going on. So basically what he was looking for was not any nuclear material. It was part of the algorithm. Um, and the algorithm is this thing that creates these. So basically it's this thing that like the turnstiles are like a small scale version of the technology, but the algorithm can create this like big scale version that could invert all of time. And if, if it's initiated, so basically that's what the people in the future want to do. They're like, we're going to get this algorithm and then we're going to um, invert time. And they don't care why. They're just going to do it because they just want to do it. And the people in our time have to stop them because that's going to, it's like snap your finger, everything ends. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to stop basically. Yeah. Um, and so then, you know, they have these cool conversations about, you know, the grandfather paradox, which is like, you know, if you, if you go back in time and kill your grandfather, does that stop you from existing? And basically the people in the future, they don't care. <laughs> they, yeah, they're they, willing to take the risk. <laughs> they don't believe in the grandfather paradox. Uh, they believe, they believe that you can, like the way Neil puts it is you can harm, you can, you can cripple and harm them and things will be fine. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the situation. So, so then, so then they're back to Oslo, back to the Freeport. Um, the protagonist starts just bleeding, bleeding out. And this is kind of cool because uh, one of the things that happens in the fight is that the, the protagonist's forward self stabs, stabs him. Mm -hmm. And we learn that he's fighting himself, basically. Um, he stabs him. And so it's interesting, like an inverted wound. Like, but, So what's funny is that when he gets stabbed in the fight, when he's inverted, that actually heals him. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> and it's, it's everything leading up to that point is the problem. So it's like, it's like, it's so weird because, so basically what happens is 
the wound healed, then it unhealed, mm-hmm. then he gets stabbed, and then it healed. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> that's why he started bleeding because it was unhealing. Yep. And, and that was gets, one of those those moments when he's going when they go back to Oslo. I'm like, I know it. Yeah. I exactly. knew it was him. Aha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we see the fight from the other perspective, which is cool. Um yeah, so we see that fight again. And then he uh so then he, he's able to get into the time machine and you know, we see Neil, see the protagonist, and he's like kind of leaves him alone, so then we know what happened. And then uh, Neil gets Cat into the time machine, and that kind of saves her from dying. And then you know they've they've succeeded in their part of the mission, basically. And you know, basically, we get this kind of cool conversation where, like, you know, uh, Neil's kind of like, "Yeah, you know, I know a lot of stuff, and we're like, we're kind of, we're kind of, you know, we're on the same team, basically, and like, you know, we're all part of Tenant or whatever." And he's like, "You know, the policy is to suppress." And we're the people saving the world from what might have been. So basically, basically, tenant is just the major tenant of tenant is you don't you don't you don't say a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you keep a lot of stuff close to the chest. Um. So then the protagonist meets with Priya again, and Priya kind of talks, tells more about like, okay, what's really going on, which is which is that. You know, it's not about nuclear material. It's about the algorithm. It's about getting the algorithm to the future so that they can initiate it and destroy the universe, basically. Um, and then they talk about, like, you know, the person who um, created the algorithm, which was this woman in the future who invents the technology. And they kind of use this analogy of, like, Oppenheimer. Like, mm-hmm. uh, during the Manhattan Project, Oppenheimer was, uh, and then some probably some other scientists, very worried about you know us <laughs> doing this why. yeah it's like hey guys you know we don't really know what's gonna happen it's like oh it's just gonna be a big explosion it's like no mm. uh <laughs> like like we don't know like like you could kill a lot of people like i don't think we should do this and like the military people like we don't care we're gonna do it anyway that's probably i i and thinking about this now um it really kind of makes you um, like, I feel like this is a really good analogy because like basically the people in the future are the military people of the, of the Manhattan project. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, so that's probably what happened in the future. It's run by a cabal of uh, military, you know, it's like a military dictatorship probably. Mm-hmm. And that's why, that's why the person who made the thing killed themselves and uh, you know, sent it into the past. Cause they're like, there's no hope there's no hope. they're not gonna listen they're not gonna listen to me anymore no um, yeah so wow yeah so so yeah the the oppenheimer of the future she killed herself and she put the pieces of the algorithm there's like nine pieces of this thing into so hit it in the past but hit it at um nuclear facilities which are basically the safest places on the earth. Okay. You can't, you can't just go into them. No, no. So it, they're well hidden there. And so because Sater was at one of these, um, one of these places during the fall of the Soviet Union, he was at the right place at the right time to be able to get communicated from the future. Um, and now he's, he's, he's uh, you know, him and the future are working together to try and put the algorithm together so they can destroy everything. Um, 
Yeah. And so that's why Priya wasn't telling him because, you know, ignorance is our ammunition, as she says. Mm -hmm. You got to kind of uh, compartmentalize the knowledge so it doesn't spread out too far. Yeah. Um, and then she says, like, you know, Tenet wasn't founded in the past. It, it, it'll be founded in the future. And um, they have, so basically, they, they, the good guys, the Tenet guys, they also have a bunch of turnstile technology. So the technology is everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is ubiquitous. Everyone has it. Everyone's using it. Everyone's fighting with it. It's crazy. Um, and so she wanted the algorithm to get put together because then they can acquire all of them at once, but they only have one opportunity to get it. And it's going to happen at stock 12 and they know exactly when. So basically what they're going to try and do is get the algorithm together, put it in some like basically a hole in the ground, blow up, blow it up so that it's, it's buried and no one can get to it and then tell the future, Hey, it's here. Yeah. Um, but they know because the whole Michael Crosby thing, they know that the explosion happens at XYZ time. And actually the explosion happens at the same time as the opera siege, which is interesting. Um, and so they have to go and get this thing and get the algorithm or else it's over. So they also can't kill Andre because he has a dead man switch. And if they, um, if they kill him too soon, the, the stuff is going to get to the future anyway. Mm-hmm. So when he dies, the world ends, basically. Uh, and he intends to, to end his life at a precise moment that he wants to choose. Um, and they figure out it's, oh, it's this uh, this time when him and his wife were on this, you know, boating trip or something like that. And so they're like, okay, Kat, you need to, like, delay him from killing himself to give us enough time to get the, the algorithm so that mm-hmm. we can stop this whole world from ending and so then we get this crazy final battle um yeah i was confused i didn't really see them who they were shooting at like i'm seeing a lot of explosions i'm seeing a lot of bullets flying i'm seeing a lot of people dying i'm not seeing who they're shooting at i don't see any bad guys did any of this make sense did the plan make sense the, the plan kind of made sense to me but i just was confused at who they were shooting at like i didn't see any bad guys i mean obviously there were somewhere i'm just seeing a forward motion of these guys attack of the good the good guys attacking and it just didn't i, I the only bad guy i see is the, the the main ukrainian thug who just pops up yeah. out of nowhere and it's just kind of that part was a little confusing to me because i'm like who are you shooting at it's Who's crazy because <laughs> they're all dressed the same right everyone yeah. is dressed the same the good guys and the bad guys are all dressed the same. They're all fighting each other. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Like I, I thought Weaver got blown up at one point, but I think that was someone named Wheeler, which was kind of confusing. Um, or got sucked into a wall. Yes. Um, the wall unexploded, which killed the guy. Yeah. Okay. So that must have been what yeah. it was. But yeah, it was just a little. And then, you know, Neil goes off on his own mission at one point. I'm just like. I don't know where the bad guys are. <laughs> Where's yeah. this army of bad guys? Yeah, there, there's, there's a lot. There's just a lot of stuff in like in this whole, this whole long speech that Ives gives. Like, oh, well, we got to do this and we got to do that. And there's a splinter team, and we're gonna, we got to. It's like, uh, okay. 
<laughs> um, yeah, basically, like, I guess the whole plan is, you know, they do a pincer move, they attack them. They do a pincer move, but they're they're also fighting people that are, um, they, they, he calls it a bitemporal uh, bi response. So they're fighting people that are also inverted and non-inverted. So it's it's a total, it's a total crazy, crazy thing going on. Shit show. Yeah, it's just it's a total shit show. But, like, basically, Ives and um, the protagonist are trying to get into where this explosion is going to happen, but not stop the explosion. And then, because they know that that's where the algorithm is going to be. So then they need to get it and then get out of there. Um, yeah, so then, they, so then they're kind of doing that and then stuff's all going crazy. All of the explosions. There's this cool thing where they like, this building gets blown up and then they, it gets unblown up and then they blow it up again mm-hmm. in the future. That's <laughs> really cool. Yeah, that was really cool. And so then they use that as a distraction for Ives and uh, Ives and the protagonist to get into the into this little little place where the uh, where they know the algorithms at. Um, but yeah, then there was this kind of interesting thing that happened. Like I like they're running down there, and then someone's honking their horn. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's it's probably it's probably something you should listen to, but they don't, and then the whole thing explodes, and then they're like, "Oh, we're we're committed now," so they go down yeah. into this, <laughs> they go down in this thing, and um and basically it's it's like not a trap, but like you know someone uh someone was waiting for them, like we see later on, so we see Neil Neil's inverted and he sees Volko, um, so he sees Volko going backwards but he sees Volko laying the trap like a like a tripwire. Yeah. yeah. He sees him lay the tripwire after he's getting out of the helicopter. Um, yes, and, and he's like, oh shit, I gotta warn them. That's where I they're gotta, going. And I gotta warn them, but he he doesn't warn them in time. So I forget exactly how to say it, but like so Neil Neil does a lot of stuff in this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> he does a lot of stuff. Oh, there's multiples. There's yeah, like at least two of him running around. Nils. Yeah. So there's Neil. So Neil starts going inverted. And then Neil um, kind of goes on his own. And then he finds. So so they. The bad guys have a turnstile at the location where they're inverting people to go fight the, <laughs> in the war. Yeah, there's invisible to, villains that I don't yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's they're creating inverted inverted antagonists. So he goes there and then he sees the um Citizen Stern style. So then he goes forward. So then he goes forward, he takes a like a like a Jeep or like one of these uh Humvees. Yeah. And then he's he tries to save them. He's honking at them like, hey stop but they don't listen. So then that thing blows up. So then he drives to um, to where the explosion is going to happen so that he can save them. But then there's also the other version of him who's going backwards, actually. And so then we see, going back, now we see the protagonist fall into this trap with Volko. So Volko shoots uh, Ives and then... Um, Basically, basically, the protagonist is in a situation where he's stuck, and he, he, he uh, is taken. He's basically taken out by Volko, and then they get into this weird thing where it's it's basically like a massive monologue from <laughs> from the bad guy, and 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 uh, over the radio, 
Um, he's like, oh, you know, I, I defeated you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, <laughs> you fight for our cars, you barely understand. When I die, the world will die with me. Um, and then, so, so to me, this is actually like the mo one of the most interesting parts of the film. Because this, this thing, uh, this is where um, Sater kind of, I think, kind of gives away the theme of the film, I think. And so, so the protagonist is like, okay, why are they, why are they doing this? He's like, oh, because their oceans rose and their rivers ran dry. They had no choice but to turn the world back. <laughs> so basically, they, climate change was so bad that the like like we were saying like basically climate change was so bad that the world devolves into some kind of military dictatorship and whoever was in charge created this technology and they were like we don't care what it's going to do to the past we're going to turn time backwards or else we don't have a chance to live so i thought that was interesting because like i feel like that's basically what this this movie is about it's about some messed up climate change future trying to attack the present yeah it's like assholes. the sins yeah <laughs> still assholes yeah yeah totally totally um so then what happened so this is this is really kind of wild what happens so then like there was a dead body there and we kind of we kind of figure out that it's neil because like um the person had like a backpack that has this little trinket on it and they were on blue team and neil yeah. was on blue team and yeah. protagonist was on red team yeah and so then, but then we see Neil, like, the body just, like, gets up, and then he, um, he, un well, okay, from our perspective, he unlocks the, the thing, and then the gate opens, and the vocal's like, what? Um, and then, so, so, yeah, so, Seder told him, oh, shoot, shoot him, but then he, he shoots Neil, and then the gate opens, and then the protagonist shoots Volko and fights Volko to stop him from uh, dumping the algorithm. And then they get into a fight, and then basically the protagonist stops him. Uh, Neil Neil goes backwards back to wherever he came from because um, he was inverted. Um, but yeah, then Ives and Neil stop Volko. They get the algorithm, and then the uh, the forward Neil drops a rope down for them to, to grab onto. And so then they get out of the hypo center before it explodes and everything's good. <laughs> they save the day. Yeah, they save the day. And meanwhile, Kat, Kat is doing some whole thing and she she basically, she finally gets gets the courage to shoot Seder. She shoots Finally. Him. Yeah. <laughs> finally. She, she shot up too early, but thankfully it didn't matter because they, they were able to get the thing. So they, uh, they the cat shoots Sater and then they throw it. She throws his body off the uh, the, on his head, like bounces yeah. side. That was like, great. Now he's really fucking dead. That was Good. that was like wow. wow. Yeah, that was intense. Yeah, that was intense. Yeah. So um, okay, here's another like. So to me, what's kind of crazy about Tenet? Um, so basically, Tenet. So like, if you think about Tenet from like the perspective of the future. So what's happening is the future people they're they're telling Seder to do all this stuff and it's working. It's it's having an effect on the future and they know that he's doing what they're telling him to do. And so he's doing all the stuff, he's got all the pieces of the algorithm. 
And then he tells the people in the future, oh, the algorithm is here. It's all here. They, <laughs> the future people go and they dig it up. They dig it up and they find nothing. <laughs> That's literally what happens in the future in this movie. They do all this stuff and he's doing all these things for him. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, yes, we finally did it. We're going to be able to like, you know, change our world. And they dig nothing. a hole and there's nothing there. That's nothing. And then they're like, fuck. Well, gotta go back to the drawing board. Are there any other poor, you know, um, plutonium digging Ukrainians or, or Russians we can manipulate to do our bidding? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, so we gotta find another chosen one. Yeah, exactly. It's so funny. Um, okay, so then it's like, so then we get this kind of Mexican standoff between Ives, the protagonist, and Neil. And um, basically, Okay, so what, what Ive says is, uh, you know, no one who's seen this is leaving the field. Um, and so so they, they have to hide the uh, each piece of the algorithm, and then they have to die. Because no one can know where they hide it. Yeah, but they're kind of like, hey, we don't have to die today, though. Yeah, we don't have to die today. <laughs> you know. um, and so then, you know, basically, we see Neil, he turns around, we see his backpack, we see the little trinket on his backpack. And so we know... Neil saved him. Yeah, Neil saves him at the opera. Neil also is gonna have to die to mm -hmm. save the world. He has to sacrifice what's himself. What's happened happens. <laughs> yeah, what's happens happened. Um, we're weaving another past in the fabric of this mission. And then uh, Neil, Neil and the protagonist, they have this kind of. Um, they kind of talk at the end. He's like, you know, the guy's like, oh, who recruited you? It's like, didn't you figure it out? You did, of course. Bro, you did. <laughs> yeah, bro, you're my bro, you know? Yeah, he says uh, like it was years ago for me, but it's yeah. years ahead for you. Exactly. Um, we're the people saving the world from what might have been. Yeah, it's it's really, it's a, this is a really cool moment. Um, and he, Neil goes off to, you know, take a bullet, basically. That's what he, that's what he does. And yeah, and then we we kind of yeah. Do you have something? I was gonna say it's it's further like it's like literally the end of the movie. But continue, continue. Yeah, yeah. So then, um, the protagonist he basically like becomes the head of tenant. He 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 uh he kills Priya when Priya was going to kill um Cat. And yeah, we get some this voiceover from Neil. No one cares about the bomb that wouldn't go off. Only the one that did. Blah blah blah. Tenant. And then that's the end of the movie. Okay, the little boy is Neil. Like, I'm convinced of it. The little boy. Yeah. I think Max, like her son, I think that was her son's name, is Neil. I, I'm like totally yeah. convinced of it because it's like it was years ago for me. Yeah. It's years in the future for you. He looks like a little Robert Pattinson for the two minutes of screen time that kid has. Like, plus he owes Kat. Like, he feels like he's indebted to Kat. Like, she helped save the world. I just think he maybe kept an eye on this kid and then like gave him a new identity and some shit. That's my big theory. I was like, that's totally. Yeah. Me. Yeah. I, I, a lot of people like that theory. I, I don't totally buy it just because I think it makes the timeline kind of wonky now, maybe because you're doing all this weird weirdo time travel shenanigans. Maybe that doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's very possible and it's, it, it's a lot of people, a lot of people, that. It's the most obvious one, in my opinion. <laughs> like it really is. But or Neil is just like someone from the future who they sent back, or because he's yeah. clearly not from the protagonist's 
as we see the protagonist is present. Um, and he is a student of time. So mm -hmm. I think he's not of that. I think he's a man out of, out of his time, in my opinion, whether he's the kid or not, you know, he knows way more than anybody else. Oh, yeah. in the, movie. Yeah. the inversion stuff kind of, it, it's, it's a, it really kind of makes me think because like, okay, if, if I go in the time machine and I go backwards, am I aging backwards? Yeah. That's another thing. It's kind of, <sighs> or am I aging forwards? It's, it's amazing for the amount of stuff and information that we get, how much we still have questions. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, because, um, you know, that, again, that's another thing that, like, like kind of makes me feel like the, the, the Neil is the kid wouldn't work. Because if you go, because then if you go in the time machine, you would, you would always go back to the same point. Yeah, that makes Basically. sense. But but I don't know what the rules are. <laughs> exactly. Like the rules are so I don't know what the rules are. <laughs> they have some, they don't have others, you know. It's just it's it's all I think it's just yeah. one of those things where they created so many new rules that you have to like create your own to rationalize all the stuff that you're seeing. So a lot of people have compared the protagonist Neil relationship to like a Doctor Who story arc. Um, I haven't, I haven't, I'm not familiar. I've heard this like multiple times, but apparently there was one story storyline in, uh, Dr. Who, which played out basically like this, where like Dr. Who had a companion and the companion kind of went away and it's like, Oh, we've been friends for a long time. I just, you know, time traveled. Like we're going to be friends in your past. And yeah. I mean, she was his wife or something mm -hmm. like that. I never watched, I watched the episode that that is based on, but I never watched the following season with her because Netflix took Doctor Who away before I could oh, shit. finish yeah. it. Yeah, but I, I've heard I've heard that a lot. Um, and yeah, there's all these these fun things, you know. Then it's like, oh, that's why he knew he liked Diet Coke, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's why. That's why all this stuff, you know. Um. Yeah. So I guess, what are your overall thoughts and feelings on the film after you watched? I it? liked it. I liked it. You know, I haven't liked a Christopher Nolan movie in a while, and I I really want to. I really want to like his movies, um, with the exception of Interstellar. Like, I obviously liked that, um, and this was good. I liked it. I thought yeah, it I, did some new interesting things with time travel that we haven't seen before, which is nice. Because, like I said, it's so saturated. Yeah, it is. It's really saturated. There's a lot of exposition and stuff in this. Um, yeah, I like this film. I thought, I thought, um, at first I was kind of like okay-ish on it just because I felt like the characters are pretty flat. Yeah, there's not a lot to pretty them. Flat. Um, but yeah, after a while, like, and the other thing too, I was very confused. <laughs> yeah. I was very confused. Like, there's so many things that really confused me. And there's no, there's a lot of things where there's no like explicit answer. Yeah, but they tell you that too in the movie. Like, don't think yeah, about this too hard. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one one of the things again, what I really liked was you know thinking about um, the way that the I guess the theme of the film is because I really feel like he purposely made so Tenant as an organization. Ellie. Uh oh. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. So keep going. Tenant as an organization is ba basically it's founded on. Everyone has to prove that they're willing to sacrifice themselves. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of 
kind of interesting that like basically the the protagonists are all these people who are selfless and all the villains are these people that are selfish and i feel like that was done for a reason especially when you in the context of the fact that this is about like this is about climate change like climate change is the villain of this movie mm-hmm. and i just found that really interesting thematically because it's almost it's almost like saying hey this is this is what this is how we have to this is what we have to do to like ensure that our future is different yeah because they like because i feel like people who who I don't want to say beat the drum of climate change because it's actually really important. So I don't want to minimize that or anything are always kind of mocked by people yeah. for whatever reason. Like, Oh, you're going to recycle. You're going to do this. You're going to do yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah. like I, um, I have, whenever I get like uh, a six pack of like Coca, those mini Coca-Colas or whatever, I always take the plastic thing off and I cut it up so yeah. that it doesn't like kill a poor little sea turtle or yeah. like, get caught mm-hmm. over the, the snout of a bottlenose dolphin, you know what I mean? Like, that's just me trying to do my part, and I got mocked for it once. And I'm like, look, the chances of this maybe getting onto a bottlenose dolphin is, like, slim to none, but I'm not. I'm trying to just do my part in, like, making sure, like, the earth is just a little bit better? Like, is that, like, I don't know why people are always, like, mocked for just trying to make the world a little bit better. It's yeah. like, it's... Because yeah, the future in this movie is very cynical. It doesn't even want to give the, the, the past a chance. No, they're trying to snuff them out, basically. Yeah. <laughs> basically, Ellie. yeah, it's really bad. Um, so, that, yeah, there's a couple of things. So, like, yeah, that just I wanted to bring up because, you know, now that we can, like, talk about everything. Um, so one of the things that I was thinking about, so that, that woman who is, like, talking to the protagonist at the beginning... Uh, do you feel? Do you think that she was like the stuff she was studying was from that battle in the film, like at the end of the film, like the big rock? Yeah, that they were shooting at. Possibly. I mean, I think that's a very good chance. Um, I feel like she's from the future. Well, no, because she kind of implies that she isn't. I don't know. I, it's it's very weird because the rock does look like it could have come from that battle. Yeah. Um, but then they knew the outcome because they got the rock. Or did they? I don't know. <laughs> it's it's really strange. It's really strange. Um, yeah, because a lot of it is like this. There's basically, you know, and this this is another thing in Interstellar. There's like there's one timeline, so they yeah. do. So all this stuff happens, um, and but but they but they're always gonna win. But yeah. we don't know that at first. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I feel like it. it there is kind of one timeline and. I do think that they, that that stuff, which is kind of crazy, because if you think about it, like we're watching this guy go through this thing, and then it's like the beginning of the movie, and he's already won the battle. Yeah, <laughs> he just doesn't know it. He hasn't he hasn't gone on that journey yet, which is kind of yeah. funny. Um, um, I don't want to be a dick, but I actually have to get going because I have my oh, shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I feel so no, it's bad. Okay. Don't don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, I, yeah, I think I think we've basically covered everything anyway. Okay, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, okay, yeah, I guess any last thoughts? Um, watch it because I don't, I, yeah. I, I told people that I didn't think people should watch Inception, but this is a movie I think you should definitely watch. Um, and watch it more than once because you're gonna, it'll, you'll the nice thing more. about this, exactly, you'll learn more and it's like watching a different movie because you've already learned one layer of the story. And then when you watch it again, I feel like like when I watch it again, I totally expect that I'm going to see a totally other layer of the story that I yeah. hadn't noticed before. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The more you watch it, the more you're going to kind of 
learn stuff about it. There's there's layers to it. There, there's a lot, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, yeah, that's our review of Tenet. So um, thanks a lot, everybody, and uh, take care. May the force be with you. Live long and prosper. All right.